Hey there, welcome to the What Connects Us podcast, where we explore human connection with people in Saskatchewan. Today we're chatting with Jessica McNaughton about her journey to becoming a female founder of her startup Memory Keeper and what she's learned along the way. This is a good story, and it's starting now. Milestone alert, we've hit our 30th episode of the What Connects Us podcast. It is so wild to think about the depth of topics we've covered since we began just over a year and a half ago. And the best part, they've come from all corners of our own backyard. We have no intentions of stopping and are keeping the connection train going with an episode featuring a story of risk and following your passion. This past Tuesday, we celebrated International Women's Day, and a couple of days before that, I sat down with Jessica McNaughton, who is a female founder of a company that emotionally connects with people of all ages. Jessica is the founder of Memory Keeper, and she's joining us to chat about how she traded in her comfortable lifestyle for the adventure that comes with leading a startup. We'll chat about how Memory Keeper was sparked through tragedy and how Jessica has summoned the courage to not only leap at her passion, but in an industry where women only make up 37% of self-employed Canadians and even less representation exists in the startup world. Jessica is such a captivating storyteller and has a seamless way of inspiring you to join her and her vision. So I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. So let's get into it. What connects us to Jessica? Let's find out. Jessica McNaughton, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. We were talking before this. You spark so much joy whenever whenever I hear you speak about your story or you could be talking about drinking four liters of water and I'm just like <laughs> tuned into everything you have to say. So this is going to be a great conversation. Uh, I, hope, I hope I don't disappoint you now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So let's jump in with a quick introduction. Tell me who is Jessica McNaughton? Give me some background on who you are so we can better understand your story. I mean, that's a loaded question. I know, it's a hard one. Hmm. Um, So I'm the youngest of four girls. I grew up in Saskatchewan. I'm a bit of a dreamer, a bit of a wanderer. I get bored pretty easy. Okay. And and that's kind of me in a nutshell. No, I I grew up here in Saskatchewan. I left when I was young, went and did fun things. Went and worked on cruise ships, taught English in Japan. Did, you know, the things you're supposed to do when you're 20 years old. Yeah. Unless my children are listening. (laughs) Then it was a completely different answer. <laughs> yeah, you're staying home. You are um, studying. <laughs> you are studying. <laughs> Clean your room. Right. Um, no, so went and did all those things and settled in Banff and then Calgary and then moved back to Saskatchewan just 10, well, 12 years ago now um, because my career brought me here and yeah. because my family was here. My family, the rest of my family's always been here. Both my parents, um, well, have since passed, but mm-hmm. my mom had just passed when I moved home. My dad was here, wanted to come home, help, be with my siblings. Yeah. And Yeah. So I looked back. What were you doing on the cruise ship? I was selling, which is ironic because I don't really wear a lot of makeup, but I was working the like makeup and perfume counter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So was this like Caribbean cruises, Alaskan cruises? What was it like? I actually, I don't know how I got so lucky. This is a theme you'll notice in my life. Yeah. But we got the world cruise right <gasps> off. So I started, we started in Italy. There was a couple of us from Banff. Um, started in Italy and it was a brand new ship. It was delayed. So we got paid to just hang out in Italy for like three weeks waiting for the oh, ship to you. get ready. Yeah. yeah. And then we got to sail for almost a month without passengers, setting everything up, doing like American Coast Guard tests and really cool, crazy stuff. Wow. Yeah. And then we got to sail. Um, we missed Turkey, unfortunately. So we started in Italy and did all the Mediterranean and down the coast of Africa back up <sighs> again. And then back down again, and then we crossed and landed in St. Martin. It was right when the Titanic movie was out, so, you know, it was a lot of oh, years wow. ago. <laughs> and there was, like, engine fires, a brand new ship. It was <laughs> it was risky business, yeah. but it was great. Yeah. How often did you guys play My Heart Will Go On while <laughs> you were at sail? We honestly, I, especially when we crossed from, like, the west coast of Africa to St. Martin, we w- like we didn't even talk about it because right. there had been engine fires. We'd already dry docked once because oh, no. there were some issues. So we were like, no one talks about the movie. We just don't even talk Do about it. Do not talk about icebergs <laughs> when you're on here. That is Voldemort here. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So tell me a little bit about what life was like growing up and how that kind of plays into your story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like I said, I was the youngest of four. Uh, both my parents were entrepreneurs and their only really sage advice to me was, get a job with a pension okay, and health and dental. Okay. Like, not bad honestly, advice. Honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I listened for a while, but not forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we grew up like, yeah, uh, there's something about growing up in a family where you, where there's businesses, like you're right. all a part of it right from the beginning. You know, 
my mom had an antique store and she used to leave things unpriced and it would kill us because she'd leave and we'd watch the store. And so, but you had to pay attention, like how oh. much things cost and how much you charge for them and how much you make and, and what good dedicated employees look like. And it, you just, you grew up in it. Did she leave it unpriced to kind of barter a little bit or? I think she was just torturing us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. yeah, no, you know, she just would buy a bunch of stuff at an auction and then sometimes it just happened that way. So right. um, probably a little bit. So she had some room, but yeah. we had no idea what we were doing. We weren't, you know, I was 11 and negotiating on a, <laughs> no, I think that's Marilyn Monroe's real signature. <laughs> like... <laughs> Did you ever run into a place where you like sold like this thousand dollar piece for like 10 bucks or something? I, you know what? I'm pretty proud my sister had, but I have not had that experience. Yeah. I did have one though where I actually went with her to an auction, bought this vase, loved it. I just bought it for my room. I thought it was really pretty. Yeah. And then this other antique dealer came by and he was at the house and going over the stuff mom had got and he offered her like $400 for it. Really? I paid $10 <gasps> for it and I didn't sell it. Yeah. I was like, nope. I'm sticking by this. If, if he's willing to pay that, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to enjoy it. And my mom thought I was crazy. Yeah. And I'll sell it later. And then two days later, I broke it. Oh, no. Yeah. You should be on like storage wars uh, right? or something like, like that. I glued yeah. it back together. I was like, do you think I could still sell it? <laughs> yeah. Do you think you'll notice the cracks? <laughs> yeah, it's like dripping no. with super, <laughs> exactly. super glue. Oh, that's awesome. So... Give me like growing up to mm -hmm. um, you grew up in um, with business all around yeah. you. What came next? Who was Jessica in school? Yeah. Um, again, with the board easy. I was a good student, but I did what I needed to to. Well, I need I did what I needed to to <laughs> either pass. OK. I mean, I always did a little bit better than passing. I normally like you'd have these cliffs, right? Like if it was OK, I want to make honor roll. Yeah. Um, the best semester I ever had was we had a contest someone wanted got to go to Ottawa if they had the highest marks and then I you know I was like oh maybe I'll try this right. semester you know and got the highest marks but generally I was more into I was on the yearbook I was running mm. fundraisers I was running a canteen at lunch so we had enough money to pay for school trips cool. and like you know class was part of it but it was certainly not um all of it awesome. for me that's awesome that you were in yearbook and that will kind of filter yeah. in kind of why like the nostalgia and capturing of memories yeah. and different things like that. That's awesome. So how the heck did you land on, on a cruise ship? Well, I moved to Banff. Knew some people that worked at the duty-free shop in Banff. Okay. And so it was the the people who ran that company also ran the cruise ship stores. Oh, okay. And so in some really weird way, it seemed easy, but I talked to so many people after who tried to get that same job and it yeah. was really difficult. So <laughs> it was just right place, right time, probably a little bit of, tenacity and persistence like no no right you want us to totally. come and work there. oh that's awesome <laughs> so give me a bit of a snapshot of what life was like prior to launching your journey as a founder mm -hmm. I, I mean I had a great I want to say a, a really great career mm -hmm. so I took my parents advice and I you know got jobs with pensions and benefits and health um, coverage. And I did really good. I like I've had a great career. I've had a ton of really inspiring, really good leaders. And I've been fairly what I would call entrepreneurial mm -hmm. in uh, organizations. So there's some fun to being an entrepreneur, being the one that kind of pushes things and blows things up but in an organization where they'll say, yeah, we'll help you with the budget and we'll give you a team of people and <laughs> yeah. we'll help. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit easier than standing alone and saying, no, I'm going to do this. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I had some great years, probably some of my best um, career years. I, I worked at WestJet for a number of years in the early days when we were growing really rapidly. Yep. And I was in the talent team. So we were about finding the right people that could fit with the culture and growing the company first nationally and then internationally. Um, got to work on some really cool projects with the executive team, like actually replacing the founding fathers and letting them go and, wow. you know, enjoy some of the money yeah, they yeah. made and, and take a little bit less responsibility. And uh, that was probably probably one of my favorite places I've ever worked still mm. to this day. Yep. Um, and But I also, again, with the board easy, move fast, and very results-focused is that I kept moving. How do I... How do I get to the next stage? How do I do more? I was never really uh, about title yeah. or pay, but I I wanted I want to just consume as many experiences as possible in this life, yeah. and I think that's 
a big reason we're all here is roll the dice and like, yeah, I'm hoping for doubles and I'm going to go around the board as fast as I can, as many times as I can. Good for you. Yeah. And so, so yeah, our, the career was really good. I also put my hand up a lot before I actually knew what I was doing, mm. which sorry to all those bosses, if any of you are listening that thought I knew what I was doing already, yeah. but it put me in incredible experiences. Like I'm not the type of person that's going to learn everything and every detail before I say I'm willing to go. Yeah. I want to try. And, um, so I, I, that's, that took me from human resources into merger and acquisitions. I was just on a project team and the project lead left. It was a large, large acquisition for Royal Dutch Shell. Yeah. And so I was probably really underqualified to run that project, but they were in a spot and I put up my hand and said, Oh, I can do this. Yeah. Um, and it led me into, you know, kind of a, a merge lane off for a bit of my human resources and culture career to, uh, mergers and acquisitions, which I absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. And it was just showing up and, and running small experiments every day to see what works and didn't being pretty situationally aware to see if you're screwing up quickly or not. Yeah. And, um, and energizing a team of people around you because no one person has accomplished anything on their own. Right. Oh, that's awesome. It seems like you're the type of person where, um, it's if you've ever played a video game before, like lots of people will do the level once and they're like, okay, let's go back and get all the collectibles. You're like, no, I did it once. I'm <laughs> on to the next level. Yeah. Don't want to stand still for too long, too yeah. long. And it's funny that your parents were like, just get stability. <laughs> you're like, I don't need it. <laughs> Listen, there's four of us. Yeah. So some of my sisters have decided to get stability and I'm really that they, they satisfied my parents you know, itch for that. Right. I have two sisters who are teachers. And then I have one who's an entrepreneur as well. Awesome. Yeah. So you've racked up some of this great experience mm -hmm. in, in almost like a rapid pace. Yeah. So what led you to, um, to the founder lifestyle? Um, I don't, I, maybe a midlife crisis. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Honestly, I, my whole life working for other people and thoroughly enjoying it. I, the last, the very last career role I was in, I didn't, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. Right. Um, I, you know, I was doing new things, but it didn't, it just didn't feel right for me anymore. Um, I was working with a leader whose values didn't align as well with mine as right. I had in the past. I'd had some really, I've had some really great leaders. Yep. So, um, and I knew that that just didn't feel right. At the same time, I also, you put excuses in front of yourself or I do anyhow. Okay. So my house isn't paid for, my car isn't paid for, my kid's education isn't paid for. And all those barriers actually I had taken care of now at the stage of my life. Mm -hmm. And so they, they were, I, I did have money saved. My kids were going to be able to go to university if I still did this. Right. And I, I don't really care about anything else. I don't care if I'm living in a basement suite later. I'm all the basic things I needed that I was saying, I couldn't do this until yeah. we're done. Interesting. And so, um, it was time, but yeah. it really was like, I feel like I kind of, put a couple of feet in a shallow end and was like, well, I'll play with this for a while. Like yeah. the same reason I have cameras and guitars and paints. I was like, I'll just try it and yeah. see. Um, and at first I was, it was still like a thing I could do and then go back to where I was before. And then there was, and I can't tell you the date, but I can tell you, I remember the tipping point where I was like, this is just not an option anymore. This is where I'm supposed to be and where I'm going next. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll talk about the, the birth of Memory Keeper in a mm -hmm. minute here. Yeah. But were you already leaning towards a startup sort of um, career move before Memory Keeper was kind of sparked? Probably. In hindsight, I would say yes. But I think at the time I was still, for sure, like even when I was recognizing I maybe wasn't as aligned to my purpose as I had been in the past with mm -hmm. my role um, and aligned to my values, I was... I was updating my resume oh, and okay. I was buying like domain names and, right. you know, playing up with different business plans. So I probably was. Yeah. But at the time I maybe wasn't quite ready to realize it. Totally. So let's talk about Memory Keeper mm -hmm. and what kind of sparked it. So um, you've lost both of your parents. Mm -hmm. Give me some background before we talk about how that kind of sparked Memory Keeper. Yeah. You know, um, for a lot of reasons and some of some of my most favorite people are just absolutely incredible storytellers mm. and there's something about sitting and remembering with those people and re-experiencing either their experience or experiencing it for yourself yeah and I I just I can't I could take the whole hour probably to talk about how important I think this is for society for ourselves to know where we came from and who we came from there's tons of academic research that 
says this is really important to you growing up, being self-aware, being confident, um, being resilient. It's just knowing where you came from. And so I, I have this slight addiction to just this, I don't know what the words are, but just the ability to like make sure these things are protected yeah. and, and that there's so much value in them. And so then when I get to my, my parents passed about, I guess there was about seven years between when my mom passed away and my dad passed away. Um, and I was expecting my youngest daughter when my mom passed away. Um, th- these thoughts of how do I keep these people going and alive in these stories. And especially my, my dad was like, the, I don't know if they were true or not, but he was the master storyteller. Oh, awesome. And so how do you keep these things? And how do my kids get to know about the story about my dad's dad stealing a Christmas tree on Christmas Eve because they were new to town okay. and getting caught by the mayor and him helping them. And like all these crazy little pieces that just make up who we are and mm-hmm. this kind of the fabric of who we are and who we become. Um, and so, yeah, they, that's always been something that's really been important to me. And I've I probably have a small percentage, but I, I am a little like my dad in the storytelling yeah. aspect. Yeah. And I'm not as good as he is, and I don't have as many incredible stories as he did. But right. um, so, yeah, so I guess it's just, it's always been there. It's important. And um, I think I see the value it brings other people too. Totally. It's kind of like when you are trying to recreate your your mom's um, spaghetti sauce or something like that. It's like you can do the steps, but you're missing like one piece of pizzazz that if you actually can capture them telling the story, you capture the magic. Yeah. Yeah. And actually like one of the other, after my dad passed away, someone talked to me at his funeral. And so it wasn't even his story, but it was his story. Mm -hmm. So this man came up to me, it was right at the end. And it was, it was someone I knew he worked for my dad for many years but he said, your dad saved my life. Oh. He And I didn't know this story. My dad had never told us this story. And this man said, I was going the wrong direction with my life. Um, I was in trouble with the law. Um, I was making some really bad choices. And your dad came, got me out of, I guess it was like a halfway house. He had had done some time. My dad went, got him out, got him a place to live, vouched for him. It was a different time. I yeah. guess he could say, no, 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 I've got him and the law allowed it. But uh, he said he, he got me in a completely different path. And uh, I he thoroughly believed that he would not have lived or he would have lived a really bad life had yeah. that intervention not happened. And we didn't know that story. Yeah. And I already know I'm screwing it up when I tell it. Like he yeah. told it so much more beautifully. Yeah. And, um, and that... Moments like that make me think, oh, I just want to capture that. Mm-hmm. But also it's like those little moments. It's like we've got some people who've used Memory Keeper for recipe books with their grandmas. And it's like, Grandma, what do you mean by a little bit of cinnamon? Mm-hmm. Or it's like it's all those little pieces that just make it so much closer to them being there. Totally. And when I was preparing for the interview, something that struck me was I, I remember like a video and you saying that you, you've forgotten the sound of a loved one's laugh. Yeah. And my dad passed away seven years ago and he was known for his like laughter and he would laugh at his own jokes. And so it is true that if you don't have that on memory, Mm -hmm. you, it just kind of, you remember the essence and how it made you feel, but you miss the tangible sound of it. And, um, did I, this played into your story to start memory keeper as well, right? It was well, so my mom passed, like I said, I was, it was a number of years ago and we don't have a single recording of her voice. We did have one somewhere, which makes it even more irritating. Mm -hmm. And I, why didn't I do this 10 years earlier? But, um, but we don't, and, and I just exactly, I remember how it made me feel, but I want to hear it, (laughs) you know, I want to hear it. Whereas I, we go to the flip side, we do have a couple recordings of my dad. And my niece who passed away was 15. We have a ton from her because we have all her social media. We lost some, but we've got a lot of it. And Mm -hmm. the fact that not just I get to hear that and see her water bloom fight or, you know, see her playing videos in the basement with her brother, but that he gets to share that with his son who never got to meet Auntie Emily, but knows. and, And now he doesn't know. He doesn't know the sad story of this aunt that I didn't get to meet, he knows this is Emily and that's her horseback riding and that's her water bloom fighting. And she has the most hilarious giggle. And, and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm going on, but no, you I, know, I love this context, <laughs> right? It is mm. so important because yeah. you see the need there. Yeah. Everybody has these human connections and these relationships and these memories. And I find sometimes I can even get into little 
fights with my sister about dad because we remember each, remember differently. him differently. Yeah. So it's there's definitely a need there. So tell me about the aha moment for you yeah. of, okay, I'm not super happy in my current role right now. Yeah. What if I jumped at something like this? Tell me about this. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's where I said I, I had to, the pragmatic part of me had to convince myself I'd just try it a little bit, but I could also do some consulting and I'll keep my resume up to date and maybe it'll just be a little hiatus. Um, And so I want to say there wasn't this like aha moment. It was like a dimmer switch that just got a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter for probably um, close to a year. Gotcha. So do you remember the moment where you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm missing these things. Why don't I create something? I mean, I do remember that. And I, it was partially, I was doing my MBA at the time. And uh, there was a, a classmate who's a good friend now, uh, but at the time was just a classmate, right. you know, who had a startup. Yep. Um, our class actually came to the Connexus Cultivator and did a tour, and we got to hear from a couple of the founders. Um, and all those things just sparked a little bit in me. And then till I said, I better live by my own rules. I'm like, I got to roll the dice here. Yeah. But even when I was rolling the dice, I think at first I was like, that's where I say it. it might be like it might end up being like my guitar that sits in the corner and collects <laughs> dust now. I like, but I have to try things before I find out if it's if I'm going to be able to go all in or not. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it took a little while of saying, I think I can make this work to this is this is what I'm going to make happen. Awesome. Um, and certainly for like the the problem statement, you know, the way we come at what is this business and why did you start it? It came from my mind first was there has to be a solution out here for this because yeah. we already lost mom's recording. I've got a couple of dads. I don't want to lose Emily's. It's not working in a Google drive or a Dropbox. Like it's just, it's, I'm not capturing all the pieces I want to. Mm-hmm. And so the business itself came from me at first thinking, well, somebody's got to have this handled. Yeah. And who is it? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And here we are now. Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess not. So yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. We've all been there, right? Where you're telling a story about somebody mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, wait, wait, I have the video. Yeah. And you're like scrolling through your phone. Oh my goodness. 10 minutes passed and you're like, yeah. where is it? And you're frustrated. And you're also kind of scared like that. Maybe you've lost, lost this, this, yep. this core memory. Yeah. So we're kind of, we're kind of talking about it. And, and anybody <laughs> right. listening who hasn't experienced Memory Keeper right. is probably like, okay, so what's, what, what is it? <laughs> so tell me about Memory Keeper. Okay. So Memory Keeper is a platform that allows you to save, store, design, and protect your story. Um, it really is about capturing memories, but it's about capturing all the memories. So we, you know, our average user is going to tell you they've got or had, I mean, hopefully they don't anymore, but yeah. two laptops in the basement with, that they're keeping just because the pictures and videos on yeah. it. They've got an old phone that still has a voicemail on it from dad or something. They've got uh, two drives, a, a Google storage. <laughs> they've, you know, it's all over the place. And they've got a shoebox full of pictures. Yeah. We're that one place that's going to allow you to bring all those things together and not just add them so that you get lost again, but add context What's the title? What's the story behind it? You can add a voice recording to a still picture and tell the story. You can type it out. Um, there's a lot of ways in Memory Keeper that you can honor a memory with with words, with voice, and you can add videos. There's 30 years ago, we were doing it with photo albums, and it was one-dimensional, and it worked, but we're capturing stuff that's so much cooler now. Yeah. We're capturing the voice. We can see the smile lines form, the tear fall. You can hear the laugh kind of gurgling up before it breaks out into oh. a massive, you know, giggle. And and we want to be able to make sure you can keep those. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot about um, this being for people. You notice it the most when you've done it, when you've captured these and, and saved these memories and organized them so they're really easy to find. Um for the people that you have lost. But actually what's really interesting, I didn't even realize it, is I started crafting some of my own stories um, in Memory Keeper early. And the fun I had just actually creating the story, this isn't about just, well, when I die, I want someone to remember this. This is like, I can pick up my phone, I'm having a crappy day, and in a moment I can find that exact story, that exact trip, that exact voice that I want to hear that picks me up. 
or takes me back. Or I sit with my kids. I have a memory keeper that I've created for my daughter. I had pictures. I had videos. Sometimes, I mean, I have a recording of her snoring. Like, it's yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, a lot of things I probably shouldn't be now? telling you. Like, they'll be eating macaroni and cheese and you're holding their phone up to your mouth. Like, I just <laughs> want to remember this. <laughs> Honestly, you know, it's funny because my, my daughter's 15 and she does not like me capturing her moments. Okay. And now, but now she does because I say it's just for your memory keeper. And the yeah. only person I share that with is her. Yeah. And so, you know, she's, we have stuff from way back in there. Cause I kept a logs and journals and stuff long before yeah. um, I created memory keeper, but we have so much fun sitting down and looking at her like talent show performance in grade three yeah. where she thought she was going to be a rapper. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, like this stuff isn't just about the end of life. It's about, all the moments in between that are so special mm-hmm. and honoring them in all the ways, not just a still picture, not just a video, the words, the what happened, the where were we, the who was there. For sure. Um, yeah. And it's at the like, palm of your hand exactly. whenever you need it. It's almost like um, it's it goes way beyond cloud storage yeah. where it's like you are putting something up into the cloud, but it's not like a warehouse. It right. is like a comfy interior design exactly. experience yes. that you can, you can experience at the drop of a hat instead of having to kind of go pick and choose yeah. whenever you're yeah. trying to cultivate that memory. Someone, uh, one of our users the other day said, if you've seen the movie Inside Out, mm-hmm. where it's all takes place in yes. her brain yeah. and you know, they go and they get this memory and they're filed carefully and they know what memory they want to take to have what, you know, emotional experience. And yeah. she's like, you're like that memory. Like you're like yeah. the brain in Inside Out. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's really easy to curate, to sort, to you can take organize all the core you memories. Want. You can yeah. take all the core memories and you can you can play them at the drop yeah. of the hat. That's so and awesome. And you can do it together too. Like I think about that story about that gentleman at my dad's funeral. Um memory keeper, you can it can be your own. It can be something you're creating for yourself, for someone else, but it's also so easy to invite people to contribute um and so it's a one click or it's a qr code scan and they can be contributing to your story too so being able to capture almost i think like crowdsource uh (laughs) what happened at an event like we've done some weddings where they had no i had no idea that was happening at that table or you know like the ability to actually experience more of the uh, experience from seeing it from all the different yeah. eyes that were there as opposed to just your own is kind of cool too. Yeah, you've seen like lots of people put those little disposable cameras exactly. on every table. So yeah. now this almost makes it easier yes. for them and you can control the lighting a little bit better, yeah, which yeah, is great. Hopefully. I remember as a kid, I, I was a pretty sentimental kid. Um, I remember having nightmares about our house burning down and thinking like I wasn't so concerned about like my Nintendo getting burned mm-hmm. down. I was so nervous about like the photo albums and yeah. like that stuff you'll never yeah. replace. This almost makes it so that that can survive exactly. and you don't lose that sort of stuff. Or like you yeah. said, if if the social media platform that all your Instagram photos yeah. are on, that just washes away one day, yeah. you don't lose all those memories with it. Yeah. I'll tell you a couple of things. Three things. Okay. One, about 250 people every single day lose everything they have on social media. Oh. Social media is not intended for the longevity of your story and that's okay they're not pretending to be but some people because they're in the habit of putting things there have this false sense of security that it's safe and protected um the second thing is i also did when i was a kid i used to wake up in the middle of the night and go check to make sure things weren't in front of the fire or the heat registry yeah i have no idea why either um but third (laughs) that was just a little sidebar (laughs) we're the same um we're the same weirdos (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is that we actually, we've started partnerships both in Canada and the States with people who will convert those shoe boxes too. So we do everything from, it's your pictures, it's your kids' art, it's old videotapes. We're working on a cool project right now, which is actually a time capsule from a school that they found with a bunch of old eight millimeter videos on it that were getting converted for them and putting it all in a memory keeper. Um, But it's, yeah, it's all in one place, but like it just, it does make me nervous to think about how many people have those things out there and think they have time. Mm -hmm. And I don't want, I never want to be that product that's like, I'm going to sell to you by scaring you because we don't want to be that at the same time. Oh, we hear so many nightmares about people who flooded their basement and lost Mm. all this really good stuff or lost their social media. And sometimes the social media companies can get it back and sometimes they can't. Yeah. And so, like, I think about, yeah, some of the videos that we lost of my nieces when Vine went into Twitter, like, 
they had no obligation to save those for us. That was right. not in their terms and conditions, but it was heartbreaking nonetheless. And and so we're also exposed, I think, because we've got this, we've got this, we had these old habits 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Grandma probably had a scrapbook or a photo album and wrote who was there and why we were there. And maybe their shoe boxes or file folders with, you know, years and pictures and yeah. newspaper articles. And then we've gone to this, we capture everything now with this little device in our hand. Yeah. And we have no mechanisms really that says this is how this is going to stay safe for the safe for the future. Yeah. Um, and it's just starting. Like we're having a lot of conversations. I'm seeing a lot of conversations and research about the future of digital assets mm-hmm. and and who owns them and how to manage them. And it's just like, we're just at the tip of the iceberg on yeah. this conversation, but yeah. uh, we're pretty grateful also that we're in the market at the tip of the iceberg of this conversation because finally other, you know, we're not, we're not thinking, are we the only ones who think this is totally. important? We're exactly. starting to go, oh no, other people are starting to think this is important. Well, I think everybody's going through this sort of like, I remember opening Christmas presents and my dad had like the handheld Chris oh, or yeah. the, the video camera yeah. And now I don't even know one where that video camera is, where those tapes are. And even if I did find them, where's the cord to plug it and right. charge the camera? Yeah. Where? How do I get this here? So this is, I think everybody's starting to kind of open their eyes, be like, yeah. we need to protect these memories exactly. a little bit. Oh, we just went on, on a big rant about that sort <laughs> of stuff. Um, so off script. <laughs> so what goes into your decision to say, okay, I am, I am leaving this pension and benefits Mm -hmm. and dental and health and I'm going to take a risk on on something that I truly believe in and I'm going to jump down this startup lifestyle yeah um I mean part of that decision was was being made for me that a lot of the roles were going to be moved and yeah that was not going to be where I was going to spend my forever so I was either looking for a new job Mm -hmm. or I was going to take a chance on this yeah and so I had to look myself in the mirror. I'm the type of person that will tell everyone else, like you, what do you think you're here for? Of course you have to chase this. If you finally know what your dream is, you have to go. And I spent my whole life thinking, being envious of those people who knew what they were going to do for like, you know, those people who just know what they want to do. And you're like, (sighs) I'm taking arts classes at the university (laughs) to see if one just jumps out at me. (laughs) Something. And well, I had made a decision early on, like, I don't think I'm going to be one of those people. So I'm just going to try and inject passion into everything I do and some sort of care and kindness for human beings because I care about that. And so when I finally got to the point where I was like, I think I actually really care about this. Um, I, I just had to look myself in the mirror and I had the support of my partner and my family and awesome. Yeah. And so what kind of risks come with, with kind of cashing in that, like I said, those health benefits and that safety. yeah, Yeah. And jumping at this lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah, they probably thought I was going to do it for a couple months and then I'd get another good job. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, there's things that we've sacrificed. I, I went from earning a really good living to deciding not to take a wage for two years because I want all the money we have to be, I'm investing it all back into the company. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, we're, we're pretty close to past that point now, but it was it came with some sacrifices um, for just the little things that I probably wasted money on before that I was trying to be uh, more frugal about. It came with... Like I wake up a lot still worried, but I never worry about, I worry, am I doing it right? But I never worry, am I doing the right thing? Right. And so, yeah, like I said, I kind of trick myself into it. Like, well, just try it for a little bit. You gotta, you gotta do what you preach and, and go for it. And if it doesn't work after a little bit, or if you're not feeling it, then you can go back to your old world. Like mm-hmm. I always like to have an exit door. Like I know there's a safety net somewhere. Totally. Yeah. Um, but then there's a certain point now where, yeah, I, you couldn't convince me to go back to my old world. This yeah. is, this is where I am. Every, at least once every podcast, somebody says something and it just like hits me like a ton of bricks. I love that line. You just said like, I need to stop worrying about, am I doing the right thing and focus more on, am I doing it right? Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. I do. I wake up in the middle of the night and I think, should I, should we have done it this way? Should we have, you know, Mm -hmm. this feature before that feature, how should I be financing this? Mm -hmm. Um, But I never woke up. I never wake up and think, am I on the right path? Yeah. Should I be doing this? Is this my destiny? Exactly. Big questions like that. Yeah. And I, and I also, you know, the last bit working for someone else. And like I said, I woke up worried about, whether I was in the right spot Mm -hmm. and there's something different about worrying about it when you're, it's your company and you're in control Mm -hmm. and you 
might be busting your butt, but I was busting my butt when I was working for someone else too. I was up at midnight and, you know, working on the weekends. And so there's just a different flavor to this and it's hard to explain, but you know. So tell me a little bit about the days of the early days of you're starting to put together what this looks like Mm -hmm. and and what, what was that feeling like? Well, there's a lot of what I'm going to say is imposters syndrome maybe. Um, And I think probably what's important to point out here is I spent my life doing really cool stuff, leading a lot of really great teams, transformation, change, um, culture have been real focus in my career, but what hasn't been focus? Technology. I am not a tech founder. And so I started this with a notebook that said, this is what the screen looks like. And then if I click this button, I go to the next page and then I draw what that screen looks like. And I didn't have a frigging clue how to build it. So, um, so the early days were, I mean, (laughs) dreaming, you know, trying, trying to get as much clarity as I could before I started talking to the people that I needed help with. Um, and a lot of the early days were talking to people who knew how to do it and A, seeing how feasible it was and B, showing up with enough passion and energy that they wanted to follow me and say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I want to help you build it because I didn't have a clue how to build it. Totally. Yeah, same with... Um, Kirk Morrison was yeah. on here too, and he had the same thing. Like he built his app on PowerPoint, yeah. and people, I think that's a big misconception. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not a tech exactly. like person; I can't bring this to life. Right. But if you have a vision and you're passionate about it, and people believe in you, yeah. they'll jump on board, yeah. right? It is the I would say of any of them. When you asked about the aha moment earlier, the light bulb kind of went on. The one thing that has been probably validating and mind-blowing about this is when you meet other people who really say this is important and I want to be a part of it yeah. and you're like what yeah <laughs> like that, that is my idea yeah and you think like yeah. you, you believe in it too yeah like it's it's crazy like something that you were just having a morning coffee and just kind of like mm, maybe I will maybe I won't mm-hmm. to hear somebody else validate that but also yeah. say I want to contribute yeah that's powerful yeah so Tell me some stories that highlight the highs and lows of the journey so far. I mean, the highs for sure. Um, We won an angel investment summit last year. It was the Valhalla Angel Investment Summit. And I really thought I had gone into the Okanagan one and we got to the finals and that was pretty, I was pretty pleased with yeah. that, but it was really about practice. Mm-hmm. And so the next one, same goes. And so then when we won it, um, when I had already decided, okay, maybe this isn't the contest. I didn't, I A, didn't think we had a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, didn't know that we, you know, we, we were there to like broadcast our product and tell more people about it as much as anything else. I mean, the money Mm-hmm. has been a godsend yeah. don't get me wrong yeah. but and the partnerships but um when I went to that second competition and I was like I'm just gonna show up yeah. and talk about how much I love my product and how important it is and how all the great things we're gonna do with it um and then it worked yeah that was pretty cool um what was even cooler out of that is Paul Allen the ancestry.com founder was our guest speaker at the final event. And he and I have connected a number of times since then. Mm -hmm. And he's given me some really incredible mentorship. But hearing someone like that say, this is really important. And this is is the product the world needs. Is like... Okay, maybe I yeah. <laughs> Okay, maybe Paul. Thank you. Yeah. Like it is mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah so. I love that. And I love that... Um, you hear a lot about like a, another misconception is people think, well, you need to niche down because you need to like really tap into a certain demographic yeah. and then expand outward. Like memory keeper is how do you niche down that? Like Honestly. that is something that we all yeah. need and human connection is so important and memories are so important. So it's so awesome that you are finding success at pitch competitions yeah. and being able to tap into people's emotions to make them 
And I think it's an easy sell for a lot of people to be like, yeah, you know what? Like I, I am nervous about losing my own memories and, and all of this digital information and videos and stories with, with my loved ones. So that's awesome that you are kind of defying those, like, I don't need to niche down. I, I, I have a great product here. I just need to get it in front of the right people. Yeah. We, we broke two rules from all the coaching I had heard for pitching and pitching competitions. And one was not having an exit strategy mm-hmm. and intentionally. So I got the question and I said, my exit strategy, I'm not worried about. I'm worried about building an excellent, excellent company mm-hmm. with an excellent product that serves a lot of people, period. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone told me like, have your exit strategy. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, like all I can think about is how we're going to build. So mm-hmm. why would I be, why would my mind be there yet? And so I thought I was doomed yeah. because I answered the question honestly. Yeah. And then the other thing was they have, it's, what's your niche? And honestly, we've started, we've, we've struggled with this. We've been back and forth with trying a niche. We started in some seniors home. We had really good projects there, but here's what else happened. Within about a week, the nurses that were working on Memory Keeper capturing senior stories, one was like, I'm going on a trip. Can I use, can I get another license and can I use it for that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then another was, we were working with a funeral home and they're, my nephew's getting married this weekend. Can I use it for that? Like we've tried to niche and it keeps going back out to, but I have all these other ways I want to use it. Yeah. And but so we've, to some degree, I mean, we're still trying some, to really saturate some markets more than others, mm-hmm. but for some ways we're just like, yes, like <laughs> free to the people, yeah. like, go. How do you saturate, <laughs> like, how do you niche down memories? That's saying like, no, right. don't remember this, remember this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah. give me some lows of, along the, the journey so far oh. as well. I mean, a lot of them come at three in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> worried about like bank accounts and, you know, like the... Yeah, the things I worry about the most are like these people that have committed to follow this vision and make it a reality mm-hmm. because I like some of the people on my team are amazing mm-hmm. and I'm pretty lucky that I have them and not some of the people, all the people yeah. on my team, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm like in yeah. awe a little bit. Yeah. And so I worry about like, can I give them the future they deserve in this career? Mm. Um, some of the other lows, like yeah, I know, like I tell myself this constantly, like comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. But then you look at a competition or you look at a fundraise that happened and you're like, oh, those guys have been around for six years. It's okay. Oh, those guys have been around for a year and they're kicking her yeah. butt. Like yeah. I can't, there is a voice in my head that's like, hurry up right. and do better always. And that's, you know, yeah. stressful. Certainly the lows also are like coming out with an MVP. Thank God I'm not a perfectionist. Yeah. We had and a, what's an MVP? Uh, m- uh, minimal viable product. Okay, sorry. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's crap. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, like the the floor of what you yes, want to offer. Yeah. Yes. But you have to start somewhere. And yeah. so, um, and and still to this day, like, you know, some of our users are friends and family and they call and they'll say, well, I uploaded this many and then I got a crash or whatever. Yeah. And in some ways, I... I just have to be grateful that if there's a bug, we found it from someone who's going to love me anyhow yeah. and probably still use the product. Yeah. But those kind of things are the lows for me. Like I just, you know, growing up, especially in the family I did, customer service and taking care of the customer and getting it right and doing a good job, really important. And so when those things screw up, yeah. it's um, it drives me a little bit yeah, crazy. But part of you will feel embarrassed a exactly. little bit about it. But at the same same time, everybody is unknowingly comparing their apps to like Google apps and like things that have been spent for like millions of dollars on. So, but I think when it's, it's people who are investing in you right off the bat, their great intentions are involved as well. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about what reception has been like now that you've started to level up your product a little bit. Yeah. Um, we actually like our, um, our chart for this year, starting January 1st, we, uh, we, done some different marketing and we feel like we're starting to get market validation actually, yeah. which is like this last year was all like, we'll try this, we'll try that. Yeah. And now we're, we are like, our numbers are increasing every day. And it's at first when you look and you're like, Oh, 30 new people subscribe today. And I don't, I'm not related to a single one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They're not even when from you don't Saskatchewan. The name, no. Yeah. You're like, you are from Ottawa. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we're, we're, I mean, we're, we're working on the product still every day and we're making some really cool advancements, but the core of the product works well now. What we do know works really well is the safety, the privacy, the security. This is very important to yeah. us. And so we took the time actually to build that and make sure we got that right before we did the any of the shiny stuff. For sure. Um, 
But we're, yeah, we're getting great traction actually in the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, We're starting to get, narrow it down. So we actually know who it is that loves our stuff the most. Um, What age demographic. It's typically the people who've kind of had the life when there was photo albums and then the life when there was digital and know that there's these 20 years in between that they can't figure out where anything is. Um, So there is, you know, we're starting to see age, gender, um, the types of stories. We're starting to see some trends there. And so it's pretty exciting yeah that's a, all data that you can use yeah. to refine your product yeah. a little bit that's awesome okay let's take a quick breath jessica has made a shift in her lifestyle that can drastically impact your financial well-being if you're not careful i reached out to christina berger who is a financial advisor at our west landing branch in regina and i asked her if i'm going through a sudden income shift a change in a relationship status or some other change in my lifestyle What should I do to manage and protect my financial well-being? Here's what she had to say. Thanks, Mason. You know, life can really throw some difficult curveballs. And our goal as financial advisors is to make sure that your last thought is, how am I going to make that payment? It's hard to be prepared for the unknown. But some tips I would suggest would be setting emergency funds aside, depending on your budget. You never know when the car is going to break down or the furnace goes. Have access to three months of expenses. This would be important if you need to be off work or like in Jessica's case, not taking a salary. I would also suggest sitting down and getting a will and power of attorney set up so that if something does happen to you, your loved ones will have that peace of mind. It can be super intimidating, but please reach out to your financial advisor. We're here to help tailor solutions that fit your needs. Hey, thanks, Christina. Definitely want to echo what you said about chatting with a financial advisor if you're making a sudden change to your lifestyle or you're seeing a dramatic increase or decrease in your income. It might sound intimidating, but it's so worth it. Now let's get back to our interview with Jessica. So let's shift gears a little bit. Um, It's International Women's Day coming up here in in March 8th. A couple of really quick statistics about female entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. in, in Canada. So there are 114% more women entrepreneurs than there were 20 years ago. In the last 10 years, there's been an increase of 30% in women-owned businesses with more than 360,000 self-employed women in Canada. And all of that, you're like, wow, amazing growth. Mm-hmm. 37% of self-employed Canadians are women. So it just shows you how that that big increase mm-hmm. from 20 years ago came from nothing right like where were we then exactly yeah. so looking back tell me a little bit about what other women have have done and been an inspiration to you to be able to take that step to you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna join um, this group of, of women who are doing some great yeah. things as well yeah I think two things here one is there's some incredible role models in Saskatchewan there's some incredible role models mm-hmm. um, and I can't say that I've encountered many women that haven't said like you go and how can I help? Yeah. Which is, it's just, I don't know. There's some special bond there. Um, so there's this group, this camp of women that here that have had successful businesses, um, that have gone before us and, and done some really good work, but also there is this, I don't know how to say this, but I've sat at a lot of tables where Mm -hmm. I was the only, um, female leader or female executive. Yep. And not been able to say, screw it, yeah. we're doing it my way. And I think a lot of these people, I, l- I think other people have had this experience. And now they're coming together and saying, fine, we'll just circumvent that path altogether. Yeah. And we'll take care of each other and we'll do it yeah. a different way. What's that feel like to be like feeling like nobody's listening to me because of what I look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um well, I just talk louder than no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen up. <laughs> like, honestly, it's, it's, um, it's pretty frustrating. Um, and, and I can't say that it happened all the time. I had some, inc- I worked with a lot of male leadership teams who were great too. I had a couple situations where I was like, well, this feels gross. Yeah. Um, and a lot of situations where I didn't feel that. So I really, you know, um, yeah, I, w- I just want to call that out because yeah. there's been way more positives than there has been negatives. Yep. Uh, at the same time. Yeah, it felt crappy. It felt like I definitely come through and I'm old enough probably that maybe I don't think, I hope this is never an issue for younger people, but the scenarios where I had to try and get the good idea to the guy who they would listen to or, you know, and I mean, I always believe in work for the cause, not for the credit, but it's still, it's still pretty irritating. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Every now and again. And it is pretty nice when it works and, or you, you know that, you know, 
the things you've learned and the things you've applied are actually working. Yeah. And, uh, have yeah, you, have you noticed for them? <laughs> have you noticed a shift as, as we're, as we're kind of moving past like yeah. misogyny and yeah. more like it's more, um, more representation you see yeah. a little bit more of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in some of the board work I do even right now, I, I see an incredible shift. And I will say near the end of my, you know, working for someone else, my J-O-B career, mm-hmm. um, the, there's a, there is a shift between kind of some of the, depending on where they came from, maybe age, but an old school and a younger school thinking. Yeah. And for sure, it's happening. And yeah. it's happening at a more rapid pace than it did 15, 20 years ago when I probably first started having these discussions. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's and, all. and there's more women willing to stand up and say, like, I, I remember having a conversation with a mentor of mine and this was 20 some years ago when she was a senior executive at Suncor, mm-hmm. um, grew up in the old oil and gas boys club. Yeah. And so, and she said like our, our mechanism to survive them was just having to be one of the, one of the guys and <sighs> probably the toughest guy. And so if there was another woman that wanted to, we like intentionally wouldn't be bonding and helping each other. Cause we'd be like, I can't be. I, I got to be one of the guys. I got to be the one. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, her, her feedback even then was seeing that shift and yeah, that's gone. Women are like, get over here. Yeah. <laughs> we can, we can. So there's, there's a bit of women helping each other out a little bit more and yeah. empowering each other. And I think, yeah, I think that most of the people left, I want to say most of the people left in that mindset are going to retire really soon. Yeah. But at the same time, when you look at venture, capital funding we're still at like 2.3 percent of all the deals that get funded and so we still have some battles Mm -hmm. but I think we're going to win that battle by maybe we have to be a little bit more tenacious to get the money but Mm -hmm. I like my intent for winning that battle is you're going to be so sorry that you didn't invest in me and someone else did sucks to suck (laughs) exactly yeah you don't know what you're missing right right exactly like I'm going to find a way so your loss I think it's so great for like things like cultivator here Mm -hmm. is that because it really highlights why representation is so important because a lot of the reasons why people don't take that step to to get rid of their their job that they're not loving at the moment and they're calling they don't follow that calling is because they've they don't know anybody especially in saskatchewan they didn't know anybody who had made that step especially women to to make that step so now you can kind of connect them and there's guiding lights all over the place that you can you have resources and inspiration to follow and you almost have little roadmaps to take those first steps i honestly i've said it before and i'll say it again but i don't i don't think if it if the cultivator didn't exist, I don't think I would be here right now. Interesting. And that would be a real shame because I'm so passionate and committed to what I'm doing and mm-hmm. I'm employing people in Saskatchewan and I'm putting, you know, resources back into the economy here. And, but I don't, I don't know that I knew exactly what to do. And I also just this kind of, it's a bit of a lonely road at first and this camaraderie of a whole bunch of other people are trying to figure it out too. And yeah. then you've got like some of the staff at the cultivator who are cheering you on and saying, look, where's your gaps? What do you need? How yeah. can I help? Like, that's, there's not a lot of business owners that get that to begin with. Yeah. And what a gift. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I love that. We're making a case for representation because yeah. lots of people are like, okay, well, what's the point of representation? Like yeah. w- even as small as putting someone in a TV commercial, but what it does is it sparks inspiration mm-hmm. for somebody else that their great idea may have a ripple effect yeah. that changes thousands, hundreds, yeah. millions of people's lives. And we all want to do that. We all want to be a part of making something better than it was yeah. or, you know, yeah. Awesome. Love that. So have you run, we've kind of talked about this. What do you, have you run into any situations where you feel like you've been treated differently as a female founder? I'm going to say yes, um, but more for the positive. Yeah. Yeah. So there's been some programs. I've got some mentorship I've got some, like, I think even like Paul Allen, um, Eric Dillon here, uh, another gentleman who founded monster.com, like monster jobs. Okay. Um, I just met him on like, uh, like clubhouse and and, and by accident, like he offered his email to someone else. And I was like, I'm going to (laughs) ask him a question. (laughs) Thank you for volunteering (laughs) to, and like, she never emailed him Yeah, and he's been, he'll, we meet to mentor every six months or every six weeks. That's so cool. So, but all of those people, as well as some of the female mentors I have, have made a commitment to mentor more females. So, um, now I'm just about to go into a fundraising round and maybe I'm going to have a different answer in six months after talking to more venture, venture cap. 
Um, But right now I would say, yes, I've seen a difference and they've all been positive. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We talk about how you've been treated differently or um, you're not treated the same or Mm -hmm. quality on that standpoint, but it's the intention is so nice to see that people are are wrapping their arms around. Yeah. I do think that like when I talk about my product and when I talk to my pro about my product to investors, I, it's a very feel Mm-hmm. feelings type product yep. and there are certain people that it's just and it is typically more kind of black and white mm-hmm. there are certain people that's not going to be for yep and so do i feel different those people are like nah, next this yeah. is about feelings yeah. yeah and maybe more of those people that feel that way are male yeah yes um so there's sometimes where yeah people still feel different but i think that's just the nature of our product too is very it's an emotional product yeah as long as we're getting to the point where people are making that decision whether to invest because they're just not a feelings person exactly and not based off of exactly the gender. yeah awesome so Tell me about some amazing projects that Memory Keeper is working on. I know you had something going on with the Olympics and yeah. you've got some other really cool things going on. Yeah. Spill them. I mean, how much time do you have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, the Olympics one was really fun. Uh, we really, we just created a Memory Keeper. We made a gallery wall and we invited people to contribute to cheer on the Olympics and we've shared it with the Olympic Committee for Canada. And so, so cool. the Olympic athletes, hopefully we'll get to see, uh, you know, a lot of, there was some classrooms, there was some uh, alumni Olympic athletes athletes that had cheered on the Olympic athletes. So hopefully that uh, resonates well with the athletes. And we did try and get some, we'd hoped for more national coverage, but that didn't quite happen. But we still got some really great contributions. Um, One of the other projects that I'm like just in love with that we're doing right now is we've just finished a project with Dakota Dunes Resort. Um, And what we did is they've created memory keepers and they're going to have the QR code in every room in their resort. It's a beautiful resort if you haven't been there, but... um, the memory keeper, like the link, if you scan the QR code, will take you right to uh, a bunch of some history, some some culture, but also uh, basic phrases you'll use around the hotel translated into the Dakota language. Oh, so cool. we have recorded the individual, Chris, who's the leader of their culture and their adventure programs there at the, at the resort. And he's recorded all these words that he's learning himself to get back to his Dakota heritage um about like how to phone down and ask for room service or a toothbrush or say i'm hungry or say i'm thirsty or just these basic phrases that are honoring the language that that resort the people that the resort's land was built on and i'm just i love it so much like i just sometimes i just go in there and just to listen to the words and the language and but also i i know that it's important work because it's helping those things not just the vaughn with within their own community but um, guests that come to the resort and they don't know about the Dakota history or, you know, any of, of the indigenous history of the yeah. lands where we are, it just, it teaches them a little bit and it, it raises awareness and shares some knowledge. And I think that's pretty cool. It shows you where you're going. You're not just protecting memories. You're protecting legacy. Mm-hmm. You're protecting heritage. Yeah. You are protecting an entire ecosystem and community. And that's, that's just such a fun project. <sighs> I know. I wish I would have thought of those words. Well, you, can ha- you can have them. <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a really, we're, I'm really excited personally about that project. I drove up and recorded all the, the uh, voice recordings myself mm-hmm. and did the language stuff because it was just really, really meaningful project to be a part of. And we've got, like I said, there was a school that found this old uh, box full of time capsules. There's about, we figure about 500 students that have made contributions to it and we don't have all the videos um into digital yet but uh, once we do we'll we'll be getting some hopefully getting some news coverage on that but just even being able to reach all these kids and say like the predictions they made for the future 30 years ago and um, it's been a really cool project too and again it's not maybe the core of our DNA it's not one person's story but it's about protecting a legacy and actually sharing it in a really easy way like the person who got this box was like how how am I supposed to get this out to the like 500 kids who contributed to this? There's video, there's writing, there's some voice recordings, there's a uh, music cassette. like, yeah. And so we've been able to take it all, digitize it, put it in one spot with one link that's going to be able to go out to all those people. So cool. Yeah. Looking back, what have you learned about yourself? Um, okay, so 
pluses and minuses. <laughs> um, I, I really early on started realizing that comparison is the thief of joy thing was a theme. And I just like get the ego out of the way and stop comparing to, and not, I would never compare, like I would never diminish anyone else's yeah. results by it, but I would be like, you got to hurry up. You got to go faster. You yeah. have to do more. Yeah. And I'm a high achiever and that will spin crazy in my head. So yeah, like there's no hostility there. You're right. just comparing I just, yourself like, to the bar. Hurry up. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I've learned a lot about that and about myself and how to manage it. Um, on the plus side, I'm pretty pleased that like two years in it, this takes a lot of self-motivation and a lot of, there's a lot of pep talks I've given myself or, okay, let's refocus and direct and you have to show up for yourself and you have to believe in it. And I've been able to do that. And, um, it's not always easy, but I was just acknowledging the other day, I was like, but I've actually, I've been that for myself for a couple of years. Like certainly I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of other people who are also that for me, but yeah. I also don't like admitting to other people when I'm stressed out or worried or feel like I failed on something. So yeah. I kind of become both voices right. in my head. Yeah. Last question for you before we jump into some speed round questions. Oh, right. Speed round. What's next for Jessica? I mean, I'm going to continue to keep trying to build an incredible product and yeah. get as many people to use it as possible. Yeah. I I see a future where Memory Keeper is a household name, where we go to grandma's and we want to look at Memory Keeper, where we, you know, we, we capture all our stories and we have them at the click of a button. Yeah. And so I'm, I can't think of anything beyond that. Like my kids are probably like, well, what about us, mom? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No exit strategy for mom. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I just want to make it really good and I want to make it broad. There's a lot of, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of really cool things we have for the product in the future yeah. and just getting it out there and getting people's hands as we get it better. Awesome. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Let's jump into some oh speed round questions. Nervous. So these are ways to connect with you on a different level outside of this subject matter that we just kind of went right. through. Um, so these will be fun. So number one. Something you learned about yourself during COVID. I like to tell myself I'm an introvert, but I'm actually an extrovert. Yeah. <laughs> like I like being at home, but then the first couple of times we got to go out again, I was like, oh, I do like other people. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is fun. I think people, like a lot of people are the other way around where mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I'm an extrovert. Yeah. And then they got to spend some time with yourself, me included, where you're yeah. like, okay, I am, I'm pretty recharged after yeah. just spending some time yeah. by myself reading a book. Also, uh, the other thing I learned is no matter how much time I'm going to have on my hand, I'm not going to organize my closets. Oh, like it's so just true. not, it's yeah. not in the cards. Yeah. Same with my, my basement. If, <laughs> if that's not getting done after two years exactly. of being locked in my Sitting home. Sitting at home going, hmm, what nope, should I do? You're done. Yeah. <laughs> um, next question, your guilty pleasure movie or TV show. Okay. I love The Office. I am a sucker for like a Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan okay. rom-com like Sleepless from the in 80s Seattle, and 90s. You've Got Mail. <laughs> yes, these. those are two of my favorites and my whole family rules your yeah. eyes at me every time I say, hey, we, maybe we can watch one of those. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's like the nostalgia of it, like where you first watched it, you, it kind of brings you back? Or is it actually the plot? No, I actually like? think <laughs> I like the story. I love a good love story. I do. I love um, Northern Exposure. I don't know if you remember that show. It was way back a small town, Alaska. Yeah. And I love that show for nostalgia. When I lived in Japan, it was the only English show I could get yeah. on TV. And so I watched that just... Awesome. That, yep. Can we get a wellness check on Meg Ryan? <laughs> Wait, where has she where been? Where is she? Meg, in, in the off chats, very off chats <laughs> that you're listening to this, send me a message. We'd just like to see how you're doing. Um, what music have you been listening to since the start of COVID-19? I can't explain it and I'm not proud, but I've listened to a large amount of Green Day. Okay. <laughs> I was expecting something worse than Green Day by how you kind of prefaced it. Oh, that. okay. Yeah. No, yeah. no, I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why that came up. And But I listen to Green Day all the time when I put my headphones on yeah. and I'm working. And it's is it like that old? and like Guns N' Roses, which is okay. not my music, but it is apparently. <laughs> it motivates me. So is it like old Green yeah. Day? Yeah. Old. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of like Motown and Stevie oh. Wonder. Lots of like not just nostalgic, but like way, way back. Yeah. yeah. Like I think my, yeah, I ha I do have uh, some Nina Simone and mm. Frank Sinatra and that. Yeah. Where can I find you at a wedding? I'm not a big drinker, but probably near the bar because that's <laughs> where a lot of people are. So like talking to people as they're coming up, like yeah. you're like the welcoming committee before they order. Like I'm in the receiving line, shots. but I'm not part of the wedding party. <laughs> 
or or I'm at the bar and I'm telling everyone else to do shots and I'm drinking water. Totally. Because I'm the instigator. Like you're just watching. Yeah. You'll take a photo to put it in the memory totally. keeper. That's awesome. I can just picture you at the <laughs> at the end of the the reception line where because people I first of all I I will be your number one advocate to remove receiving lines from right? from weddings. It's so awkward. It's, yeah, you walk up to like one of the best men and you don't even know the groom you're and like, you have hey, to be like congratulations, nice Cumberbund. <laughs> I don't know. Like. <laughs> and you're standing there just waiting for the next person to finish hugging yeah. and you're like okay I need to get out of here. Next question. Next vacation spot, where are you going? I mean, all the basics. Like, I'm thinking of all the people I want to go see, yeah. but forget all the people I love. Yep, sure. Forget them. <laughs> forget them. The opposite of a memory keeper. <laughs> memory release them. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go, I'd like to go back to Vietnam because I had, like, I stepped foot in it, but I didn't really experience it. And Indonesia. I'd oh, like to go fun. To Indonesia. Did you have a pretty good deal when you worked at WestJet to be able to jump on flights? We did, but we were also paid very poorly, and you still oh. had to pay for a hotel and yeah, stuff. So I didn't use it that much. Went to went to Comox a lot okay. because Calgary Comox is a short flight. It was in Calgary at the time, yeah. and the loads, the plane was always there was always room, so you could sure. always knew you could get there and back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that sucks. Looking back, that you had like free flights and you went to Comox right. in British Columbia. I, know. <laughs> I do. I do want to. I want to sleep in a tree in the rain or in the redwood forest okay that's been on my list for a while and i'd like to i'd like to kayak in the grand canyon those are two on my list that i haven't done okay i understand the second one can we talk about sleeping (laughs) in the rain (laughs) they have like these like those trees are so massive and they have like hanging tents you can get and you basically sleep in the tree oh so you don't get water on you no 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 no. oh okay that's nice then okay i'm like that sounds miserable right and i said rainforest but the redwood forest so it's not i mean sometimes it rains but no Okay, second last question. A tip you have about money. I'm all about paying off debt. Mm. I I guess I would say know yourself. Yeah. So some people, if they they have credit, they spend it. Yeah. And they just like to make the monthly payments. Yeah. Um, I'm a pay your debt off as soon as you can. And, and... And do the math. If you're buying a car, I'm like, oh, I'm such a grandpa. Um, If you're (laughs) buying a vehicle, you're buying a house, like look at the price and then calculate how much you're going to pay on interest and then decide on the final price. Yeah. You're not a grandpa. That's a good, that's a good tip for everybody. (laughs) Uh, Last question for you. What connects us? Um, I mean, we all have our own story. Like we, we experience the same thing a little bit differently, but just close enough that it's it's where we like where we bond like when I think about my favorite memories I can feel the people that are there with me I Mm. can like I can you know feel like they're there with me now when I'm thinking about it again and so yeah yeah I I think and stories I mean they connect generations yeah they connect experiences they like yeah it's like this little tapestry that they're all woven together all our experiences and all our stories and totally yeah the best is when you spend some time with people that you haven't really spent some time with that you used to go to high school with or something and then they unlock all of these memories that you haven't thought of and it just makes you feel more of a holistic person that had all these memories that you kind of had stored but now it connects you to your rootedness yeah yeah Yeah. awesome and also i that reminds me when i how much my memory sucks. <laughs> like you always think you're going to remember. And yeah, I yeah. had someone tell me a story about our high school the other day and it took me like, you know, they were a paragraph into the story before I was like, right, I was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it like hits you hard yeah, and in then the we best way. And like, yeah, but it's, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for taking some time. Oh, no, this is so much fun. Awesome. I had so much fun talking to you. I've learned so much, so many different like one-liners you've said. And what I find so awesome about your story is that you have people jumping on board to help you because I think one memory keeper is just such a great product and it's so important. But I think if anybody listened to this podcast, they can hear it in your voice, the passion, the drive and the commitment you have and how purpose, how you really connect to the purpose. So it's so easy to see why people are investing in you. You're just such a warm, driven, and just an amazing person to follow. So thank you so much. I'm going to just record this in a memory keeper and I'm just going to have a bad day. I'm just going to play that part again and again. Let's do it. feels so good. Sounds great. Well, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Oh no. True pleasure. Thank you very much. You bet. 
Well, that's it for a chat with Jessica and for this episode of the What Connects Us podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. But until then, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe or follow button, leave a review of the podcast, and share the podcast with a friend or on social media. We'll see you in two weeks. Let's connect then.